0: Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Not outside, we're inside in cool, air-conditioned comfort, as we will be tomorrow morning during Texans Training Camp Live because it's an off day for the players, but it's an on day for us as we continue through next Tuesday when Sean and Seth retake over the morning show portion of 8 to 10 a.m. on Wednesday. There will be a quiz on this later. Johnny, good evening. Let's do a couple of fresh takes from practice, and then I want to get into the tough decisions. We don't have to get into what they're going to decide, but where the toughest cuts are on this team, what position groups, and how that might play out or what they're thinking right now. But first of all, fresh takes from practice
1: today. What stands out to you? Alabama linebackers. Mm -hmm. Former Alabama linebackers. And not Will Anderson, because I think Will Anderson was listed as an Alabama linebacker last year. He was not a linebacker. He was a defensive end here. But either way, I'm talking about the guys off the ball. Uh, Henry Totoa and Krishna Harris. Whenever there's a run play with, with the ones in particular and those jokers are on the field, they are running that sucker down. It is impressive. The very first plays, very, I think it was the first two plays of the first team session, ran a toss one side on the first play and Christian Harris ran it down and kind of wrapped up Damian and, and kind of kind of slung him, turned him around as if, you know, he's tackling him, throwing him to the ground or whatever. And I, as I'm watching the play, I just see this kind of blur. Because the play's taking a little while to develop, and I just see this blur. I'm like, man, who is that? And there's Christian Harris just flying to the football. Next play, same thing. A few plays later, I don't even know what the play was. I wish I could have seen the play. All I know was whoever was that running back took a handoff And was wearing Henry Toa Toa not even one step into the play. Like, Toa Toa was right there as soon as the running back got the handoff. And I've seen that now from both these guys, whether it's filling gaps in the middle quickly, as Toa Toa did, or running things down as, you know, the proverbial sideline to sideline. I think the linebackers—I wrote this in in Harris Hits— I think the linebackers might be the strongest performing group of any group on this team, of any group. I mean, you go up and down the lines that, you know, between Harris and Toa Toa, between, uh, I saw Denzel Perryman make some plays against the pass the last couple of days. Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman has been unreal. Blake Cashman is arguably one of the top five players in camp. So you start looking at linebackers and you're like, dang, uh, these dudes can run. And here's the other thing. I thought about this as I was watching. See if you... Kind of go with me on this. The more that a defense can stay in its base unit, yet play sub-package or do sub-package things, the better off you are. Here's where I'm going with that. If you look out there and you were to see three linebackers, and at one point it was Harris, Totoa, and Cashman, right? That's not really your nickel alignment, right? No. But Cashman's 40-time was probably about what desmond kings was and the reason i bring that up is you can do some things with cashman to give it kind of a different nickel look even though it's your base formation if that makes sense sure and because cashman could cover running backs out of the backfield and do some of the things he can do you get you get the opportunity to run some quote-unquote sub package stuff with him you can do some different things with cashman and yet stay in what looks like your base group. So, hey, they're base, base, base. Okay, well, we can take advantage of this. Well, that means Cashman might end up on you know, running back or end up on a tight end. I'll take that because that guy can fly, and he can make a lot of plays. And we found out last year he's a good blitzer, and we know what he can do on special teams. So point with all that is I think this linebacker group is kind of showing, hey, we've got a lot of layers. We've got a lot of dimensions to what we can do, and they all can run. That's the other thing that stood out to me, Mark, thus far. The defensive team speed is – it's at a higher level than I can remember in in years. I mean, probably going back to 2018, you know, when Tyron was here in 2018 with that group, Justin Reed back in the back. Across the board, all three levels, they all can run. And I think that's going to bode well for them at some point. But, man, the linebackers can really fly.
0: All right, well, let's flip it because my big take on today was situational work. They did a little bit more of it, and by a little bit more, they did it because yeah. they really haven't been doing it. They've been doing 11-on-11, 11 11, let's run some plays, and there's a method to it. There's let's do third down, let's do first down, however they organized that. Right. But today they put time on the clock and said, you're down four, go ahead, try to drive down the field. Sure. And not that there was enormous success, but there were moments where you thought, okay, this is interesting, especially with number seven yep. because – I've got a feeling he's a when-the-lights-go-on guy. You give him a goal like that, and it looked a little bit different to me in the pocket and the way the ball was coming out and everything. Not that it's been coming out badly, but we talk about some of the plays that the defense has made, and I don't know how to gauge how good this defense is, going back to that side of the ball for a moment, Johnny. I think that if you knew your offense was really good, This defense is middle of the pack, at least, if not better, right? But we'll see. The offense has to be good in order for the defensive ranking. It's not all about rankings, of course. But in order for that ranking to rise, because if they're punting away or turning it over or whatever, unless they're hanging out of the ball, scoring points, uh, the defense is going to have to pick up more of the slack. It's a sands of the hourglass kind of thing, like I always like to say. So, I liked that situational work today. Let's see more of that as things progress here. They'll get the day off tomorrow, back at it Thursday, and then you'll be a week away from your first game. So things will start to take shape here. But like we said this morning, you're watching the sausage being made, and it's easy to comment on, wait a minute, what's going on in this ingredient? What are you throwing in there, Bobby? We don't know until we
1: see the finished product, and we're far from it. It's a good point you bring up because sometimes you're right during training camp. You watch so many plays and you watch all these things that you do. You that's a that's a great way of putting it. You're watching the sausage being made, which is not sexy, but then the sausage comes out and they've they've grilled it and they put it on your plate. And you're like, "Oh, this is great." But you have no idea how it got to that point, and you may not want to see it. <laughs> training camp, we're getting to see it. That's why I, I like once we get to the season because we see stretching maybe some individual, and then we go off. We yeah. don't see the sausage being made. And yeah. sometimes that's a little bit easier yeah. you know, for us to not see that happen because they're working through some things just like they are in training camp. Everybody's working through some things. I think the receivers today needed to work on catching the football uh, because that was a tough day from that perspective. And, look, you're going to have those days. You're gonna, I, I, had the, I had the best hands you could possibly have, but I had about a week stretch when I was in high school my senior year. I couldn't catch a cold. I mean, it would hit me in the hand. I'd I'd look like Flipper. (laughs) The ball was just going everywhere. So it happens. Um, But there were some drops today, and mostly concentration drops, because there were some guys some good hands that dropped the ball. But I'm with you on that about CJ. Uh, We talked about that coming off the field. That's, I think, it's it's a good thing to know that when the situation pressure goes up, that your guy stays cool and, and rises to the occasion. And I feel like we—I feel like that's what CJ, what CJ did. If he didn't have the drops, I mean, I think they would have gone down. But on that drive, I, I went back and looked at my notes on that drive uh, that you're talking about. When they took on the situation, he—he um, hit—he he had, th- had Nico for a first down. Mm-hmm. Then he had Andrew Beck down the seam. Yep. Um, then he threw a strike to Jared Wayne, and then there were a couple of plays in there. I think it was maybe a screen that somebody dropped a screen. Um, and then he had he was high up for Tank Dell. which, look, if you're going to miss with tank, a lot of people are going to miss high. But at it's least the happen. clock
0: stopped right, right there. They had right. limited time on the clock, and there were a couple of penalties in there, and I don't think any fault of his, but this is what practice is all about. You're going to make your mistakes there. You want to iron it out. You want to see where you need the work as a squad, and like we've said many times, so much 11-on-11 11 11 work. I thought that that was a good little period today just mm-hmm. to get him going, and you know that now that they've broken the seal on the situational work, we're going to get a ton of it because soon they'll have to do the quick field goal, all those things you need to do to play your first preseason game because you have to choreograph everything. You have to be ready for those quick switches, those sudden changes, uh, special teams transitioning into offense, defense, all of it. So I liked it today. I like that we're getting there. It showed that you're getting deeper into camp.
1: Well, today's August 1st. A week and a day, we'll be flying to New England. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. crazy to think. A about. week from tomorrow. Yeah, we talked about that with with uh, D'Amico. We talked about, man, coach, you play a game in a few, you know, in a few days. Yep, and they know it. You know, it's it's obviously different when you're doing a preseason game or a scrimmage, like in high schools they'll do a scrimmage, mm-hmm. uh, versus getting ready for a regular season game. But you still, got to go out there and play someone in a different color jersey, and because you're doing that. You don't want to go out there and look the fool. So mm-hmm. you got to at least have some idea of what you're going to face. Yeah, it's a lot of vanilla. But you still want to go out there and, and have an idea, a little bit of what you're going to face. And that's when you rely on your rules. But, um, yeah, nine days. Nine day, yep. nine days yep. kicking it off.
0: It's going to be good. And they're on the three-day plan because it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, day off. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, day off. Now they'll go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, day off. And then right into a mini-game week for that preseason opener against the Patriots a week from Thursday night, 6 o'clock kickoff right here. And that's one of the things we talked about when D'Amico has got off the practice field yesterday, visiting with Johnny and I in studio.
2: <laughs> Coach, welcome. Hey, thank you guys for having me.
0: Air-conditioned comfort, great yeah. to see you off the practice field. Nice,
2: nice to be in here after practice. <laughs> a lot cooler in here. Can oh. you assess
0: the uh, first day in pads for us? How would you see it?
2: Uh, first day in pass, The emphasis was we're more red zone emphasis, so really working uh, situational football. all right today, and the main emphasis for our guys is just when we put on the pads, is not to just go crazy. Right? right, a lot of guys get amped up, they get excited. We got on pads. I just had to remind the guys this morning that okay, we are still teammates. Right, and <laughs> make sure we protect each other. So that's the first rule of our team is protect the team. So as we are, you know, going through and working our tackling, we just want to make sure. We're thudding guys up, giving them a good fit, but then let them go and finish. And I thought the guys did a good job of taking that to the field today.
1: Coach, we were talking to Eric Murray uh, on Sunday, and one of the things that he mentioned, and Mark and I both noticed how much time you guys are spending, especially like your O&D walkthroughs, and, and repping different looks, You know, using the coaches to line up and do different things. And he talked about the communication being a really big focus, I would imagine for the entire team, but definitely on the defensive side of the ball. How, when you think about communication, obviously, you're the guy wearing a green dot when you were playing. How important is that communication amongst the groups between the front linebackers, linebackers secondary, but just the whole unit itself?
2: Right, that communication is very vital to our success. Right? When, cause when we're playing defense, we have different, a lot of different calls, a lot of different things happening. But now with the offenses we, we face, there's a lot of movement. Yeah. So when one guy moves on offense, that could change our entire defensive call. And if one guy is a little slow with communication and we have, all right, 10 guys playing one defense and one guy who's off and that one guy who is off nine times out of 10, he gets exposed. So Mm -hmm. we want to be all, we want to be in sync. And that's why it's very important to me to take the time before practice, walk, talk, make sure we're all on the same page. Because if we're on the same page and we got a chance and, if our guys got a chance and they know what to do, know how to do it, they can go play fast. Just want to eliminate any confusion so guys can have a clear mind so they can be explosive.
0: Coach, does that play into why there's so much 11-on-11 11 11 work? I feel like there's more than I've ever seen in a training camp, but can you speak to that a little bit?
2: And with the 11-on-11 11 11, uh, work, is more of me is just the mentality of that's real football. Right? Mm-hmm. We can easily get into a seven-on-seven seven and you know let the O-line, D-line go separate. But now the quarterback is getting, as I call it, fake looks in seven on seven because he's holding the ball. He's not feeling that pocket if it's collapsing, mm. not feeling when he needs to move. So the teamwork is really geared toward uh, quarterback, our focus, and making sure that he can feel the pocket, he can make the proper moves, and that's real football. I told you, defensive coaches don't like seven (laughs) on seven because those quarterbacks sit back there and hold the ball,
1: then they stick one in there, and then they're cheering. And it's like, well, wait a second, (laughs) that would have been a sack, (laughs) coach. I, I take notes as much as I possibly can out there, and I feel like I feel like I'm writing a lot of young dudes' numbers down that are making plays. Whether it's rookie or second year, it really feels like those guys. Not that everybody isn't. Blake Cashman's made a ton of plays, but it feels like the young guys really haven't come in here and kind of been do more and kind of off to the side and like oh you get your chance you get your chance like they're stepping up and making some plays.
2: They are. And it is exciting to watch. And that's the the core of our group. We have a young team, right? We've added some veteran guys through free agency, but the the core of our group are a lot of young guys recently drafted who really are on the on the cusp of taking that next step. And that's when it gets really exciting when you have second, third-year players that's when you find out if guys can really hit that stride and become you know, that dominant college player they were. Like the game is starting to slow down for them yeah. that second year, that third year. And now they can really let their talents just accentuate. like go, they yeah. can go faster yeah. because they know what to do. They're not worried about you know, all of the things as a rookie is, that he has on his plate. And that's what you're seeing, man. The young guys are really stepping up and I'm encouraged by their, by their play.
0: As a coach, when you see the offense make a play, it's hey, great, go Texans! Or the defense make a play, go Texans! How do you look at it though? Because if one side is doing well, maybe the other side isn't doing something you want them to do.
2: Right. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely been,
3: you
2: know, it's been an adjustment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not try to not get too excited when the defense <laughs> makes a play, but uh, it is. Uh, there is a balance there. Right? Because if the defense is making a play now, hey, there's a coaching point for the offense. Hey, we got to make sure
3: mm-hmm. we're
2: protecting the ball. Now, I do. I love interceptions. I love taking the ball away. That's our mindset. But also, we're a team here. We got to protect it. When we're on offense, protect the ball, protect the team. So, there is a duality there that, we, that I have to find a balance or. But mm-hmm. when they score a touchdown, I also make sure they make an explosive play i make sure those guys understand I'm on your side, too. Like, mm-hmm. you're scoring. I'm excited. We're all fired up when you're making those big plays.
1: Coach, I thought about this the first day that you walked out on the field. I was like, man, it's been a while since Caps walked on his field. What was that <laughs> feeling like walking on the field? Obviously in a different role, but what was that like walking on the field first day, kind of look around going, all right, let's do this. Head coach first time, but back in the place where you played. What was that feeling like that first day?
2: Wow, it was, uh, it was definitely a surreal moment. I, I remember – say this earlier I remember when I was walking across that that bridge Mm -hmm. stepping on the field as a rookie and -hmm. not knowing really what to expect things are just going fast and I was so nervous you know as a rookie stepping on that field and now I mean just to think now I'm walking across and now I'm the head coach stepping on the field just had to take a moment like wow you know it's kind of surreal and then I snapped back into it. it was like hey a lot of people counting on you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What can
0: you tell us about behind the scenes, how you guys keep everybody hydrated, everybody fresh as possible, despite the fact that you're practicing in near 100-degree heat?
2: Yeah, with our, our sports performances group, they do an outstanding job. Lad, our nutritionist, and his staff, right? As soon as those guys are coming into the their locker room, their hydration coolers right there. It's grab something. Mm-hmm. Lad and his staff, they, they prepare it. Uh, individualized shakes. You know, so they have protein shakes, whatever that player wants. They get their own personal shake and mm. they're handed there As soon as they go in the locker room, before they can sit down, they're already starting their process to refuel, All right, get their bodies back recovered. And outside of every meeting, meeting room, there's a hydration coolers. So it really is a heavy focus because of what we deal with here with the humidity and heat. We have to make sure that our guys are hydrated, taken care of, and also with our our strength coach, our Mike Eubanks, his staff, they do a great job, of what we call regen days, where they go into the weight room and they just work on just, you know, stretching, rolling out their bodies, making sure, you know, the lower, the hamstrings, the calves, everything is stretched out and so they're ready to go the next day.
1: Coach, Mark and I were doing the math this morning. We're like, okay, July 31st. All right, we get on a plane next week. Oh, man, we got a preseason game in 10 days. I know it's not like a regular season game because you'll have some starters play, some not, all that. I'm sure you've looked ahead in some sense to how you want to go about going through the preseason game, but how, how do you sort of prepare? Do you prepare for the game at all, kind of get a look at the Patriots at all or whoever you're playing in the preseason game? How do you kind of take a look at that with this being the first one just 10 days away?
2: Right. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I said it in my team meeting. It just felt weird saying, Hey, we have a game next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just reminding the guys of the urgency, how we have to pick it up and continue to get better. But with that first game, it's kinda of, it's hard to let's call it game plan. Right. Right. But we want our guys to also make sure they have an idea of what they're going against. Right. Right. Most of the first games are pretty vanilla, offense, defense. You just want to get good tempo, good feel, all right have the quarterbacks go out, make some, you know, easy completions just to find a rhythm. So that's what you're looking for. Uh, then when it comes to who's playing, I've started to think about that in my mind as of who do we need out right. there? Who needs to those reps? And it'll be a individualized plan for everybody. I'm not I don't throw everyone in a bucket just say all of our starters need to play. Everybody's at different points of their career, so we'll go through that over the weekend.
0: You've been asked a to ton about Quarterback reps, but reps in general, Coach, how do you handle that? Is that a collective thing with your position group coaches? How do you guys go about doing that?
2: Yeah, with, with reps, uh, myself and our offensive coordinator, Bobby uh, slowly we go through the reps and see all right, how many reps do we want per period. And then as we go to our coaches, we make sure the coaches understand that just because this set may say it's the ones, right, don't just get locked into, oh, I cannot give another guy that rep. Mm. So we want our coaches to be very selective. They know the plays that we're, when we are on scripted periods, we already have those plays planned out. So if there's a certain look, a certain play that you want, let's say Mechie, we want him to run this particular route. Mm. And it may be with the twos or threes, or it doesn't matter. Just make sure he gets that work and he gets that route. So there's a lot Mm. of planning that goes in. We define the total number of reps, but there's a lot of planning that goes in with the, position coaches of making sure players get specific reps for what they need to work on. A lot of guys have gone through a lot of stuff to get here.
1: Some, it's a knee injury. Some, an ankle. Some guys are rehabbing for a summer. One guy on your team beat leukemia, mm. and that's John Mechie, and he's back in this training camp. Coach, I know you've, you've been asked about this a lot, but uh, I know Mark and I wanted to just ask you about what Mechie not only means to the organization, but just to show the fight, to beat leukemia, get back on the field to help the squad this year.
2: I mean, he means everything to our organization and what we're about. We want to be champions. We see the sign every we want to be champions in every way. And he's shown that championship mindset, the mentality of you know what he's done in college, first and foremost as a player. Being in coming into the league and facing the adversity that he's faced and to see him overcome it, yeah. right? That's championship mindset. Right. And I just continue to see him working back into football. It's taking time for him to get there, and that's okay. It's going to take time. It's been a while since he played ball, but he's headed in the right direction. He's doing it with a smile, doing it with a great attitude each and every single day, and it's encouraging and uplifting the others around him, and that's championship mindset. So, encouraged where Mitch is and very pleased with where he's headed.
0: You've been through so many camps with different coaches, different approaches. So how do you handle the rest of the day, meetings and whatever you do at night during camp? What can you share with us about that? Do you do some fun things with the players, try to keep it fresh? How do you approach it?
2: Well, after after we're with practice, the guys have you know, probably a couple hours to just recover, do some regen in a weight room or lift, Then we go right into, we got special teams meetings, then the guys will review practice film with their coaches and position meetings. All right, then I'll come in and I'll do a team meeting with the guys, and I try to keep it fun there. Try to make it like a highlight reel of okay. all the good, good plays that were in practice. Try to highlight as much as I can. There are sometimes there are great teaching opportunities from you know how we can get better, and you can really highlight some guys on some of the stuff you may see it's just a play. Right, guys don't know everything that goes into that play, and seeing the 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 mental aspect of it right, quarterback seeing that his pressure and being able to side adjust and go to his hot read. Like, I want to highlight those things to show that's what it's going to take to win games. So we keep that going, and then we actually go back out. (laughs) After we finish that, we go back out, go for a walkthrough in the Mm -hmm. evening, and then the guys are on their own.
1: That evening walkthrough as a player is always a fun one. yeah. And when I say a fun one, I mean (laughs) not really. So as you sit there, Coach, and you're talking to the players – and you're looking, and you know the guys are tired, but you've been in those seats. You knew what that was like. Are you kind of thinking about that as you're going through your message and kind of like, all right, I know I've got 10 minutes with these guys where they're cooked. Do you kind of have that feeling because you were that guy not uh, too long ago? I know that's the feeling. You yeah. have to
2: be quick. You yeah. have to be strong and be quick in those meetings right. I make sure I don't try to go longer than you know 20 minutes in a yeah. meeting because you start to lose guys. Yeah. Right? So I want to make sure it's – And make sure it's highlight offense, defense, special team, making sure everybody's involved, ask guys questions on the spot, making sure they're ready, they know what they're talking about, they can answer, and just so their teammates know that they know what to do, they know what to say, how to do it. So just want to make sure everybody's engaged in those meetings and, and keep it light, keep it fun.
0: All right, I promise this is not a global warming question, <laughs> but is camp hotter than it was when you were a rookie or your early days with the Texans? It feels
2: that way. <laughs> it, that, it, it does feel that way. It is a little warmer nowadays. Yeah. One thing I like about, you know, it's hot. Guys know it's hot. Nobody complains. Yeah, like, that's, that's the cool part about our team. It's like nobody complains. They go work. Whatever we ask them to do, they do it. With a smile, with the right attitude, and that gives us a chance. Nice, so
1: giving you a second to kind of you reacclimate as well because. Like you said, this isn't Santa Clara either. No. Where I, would imagine, ice. I would imagine it's hot, but it's not kind of like this. Did you have to reacclimate
2: too? Oh, yeah. I definitely had to reacclimate myself and the kid. I had to re- get my oh, kids yeah. going. They're like, Daddy, it's hot. It's like, get outside. we got to toughen up. <laughs> it's, it's real. Now, it's real. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, one more question for me. What about the family aspect? Because you have that tent area yeah. for the families, and sometimes the players can get reacquainted because they're away from their families for a while, and so are you for that matter.
2: Right. That, that's one of my favorite things things about training camp Uh having a family tent. You know, we're thankful for our Cal, Hannah providing the tent for for the families, right? Covered, air conditioned, nice, nice tent, nice and cool so the families can enjoy practice. But those are the special moments. Those are the special pictures that you get when your kids are able to come on the field, whether you're a player, coach, you spend so much time away from them. But to get that 15, 20 minute interaction with your kids, with your wives at their practice, Man, that's, that's special moments and those are those are some of the best pictures you get to yeah. see it. You get to yeah. throw the football with your with your boys and it's uh it's a fun moment, special moment that um I'm, I'm very uh thankful for.
0: Coach likes a lot for the time. Best right. of luck. Thank you guys. All right, there's your head coach, a little reloaded D'Amico on Texans Radio. Fun to visit with him in the studio coming up. A little McLean reloaded from the morning visit at training camp. What did he have to say about a variety of things, including going around the AFC South a bit? It's Texans radio. So much to get to as we continue with our coverage of training camp here on Texans radio, like the general John McLean who visits with us every morning and will tomorrow morning as well. Even though we're in studio with a player day off, we've got plenty of stuff tomorrow, including Jonathan Bernard among other players, but We were talking about Will Anderson this morning, and Johnny was commenting on some in the national media still complaining about draft day trade, capital, or whatever, and the general went right to work on that.
4: One thing, John, I don't think you mentioned when you were talking about the Will Anderson trade. They still have picks in the first three rounds. It's not like they're destitute. Mm -hmm. Now, um, it's amazing to me how many people picked the the Cardinals to have the first two picks. The Texans are going to have a second-worst record in the NFL, I think as time goes on, you. I saw a thing the other day predicted they would win six, and worse than them were uh, Tampa, Arizona, of course. There were like four or five teams they had with worse, including Indy. And I agree, Indy playing with quarterbacks only started, what, 13 games? Uh, did he start that many? 13, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just no way he's not going to struggle. Just We're going to see him. He may rush for 1,000 yards because he's going to take off the first sign of trouble. And uh, they, they mm. seem to have a lot of issues. And uh, so I'd be shocked if the Texans finished with the second-worst record in the NFL. And, I, you know, there was nobody out there. Jalen Carter was rated high, but he had so much baggage. And then Will Anderson was number two or number one. And a lot of people had Anderson rated his number one prospect overall. And the fact they still have picks in the first three rounds – I don't think, I think that's going to be a great trade. You need a franchise quarterback, you need a franchise pass rusher, and you got both with the second and third overall picks. I think Casario deserves all kinds of praise.
1: Okay, you kind of alluded to it, John, in some sense. This question is for both of you. This is at that time of the year where there's a lot of previews and season totals, overrunners and all that kind of stuff. What team do you think right now in the NFL, in your opinion, do you think is way overvalued – what team do you think is way undervalued? Can't use the Texans. What team, in your estimation, do you go, you know what? Media's kind of hyping this team up. I think this team is not going to be that good. Or, I've got one. You know, nobody's talking about this team, but I think this team's going to be pretty good.
4: Um, when uh, Carol and I went to Las Vegas to watch the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament in March, we were looking – she was looking, I don't bet, but we're looking at odds. Mm-hmm. And I thought Seattle did a great job last year. Everybody mm-hmm. was picking them to have a chance to get the number one pick. They went nine and eight. they got the quarterback issues solved. They've had two great draft they had a great draft, mm-hmm. and it was sixty six to one so she put some money on uh, Seattle at sixty six one now I think it's thirty to one, so mine would be Seattle, you know in a tough division, but they've got a stability in their front office, yeah. and uh they got so much talent in the last two drafts. I think the last year was the best draft in the league and the Jets got all that credit for having the offensive and defensive of rookies of the year, but Seattle was better top to bottom. So I would pick the Seahawks. And then for overrated, it, the division is terrible, but I everybody just automatically picking the Saints because they have Derek Carr, quarterback, who's never won a playoff game. He's only been in, what, one? And then Dennis Allen was a terrible head coach with the Raiders, 4-12, 4-12. And he was better last year. But I just, I see some people having them in the top half of the NFL and record. I think they could win that division and be in the bottom half of the NFL. All
0: right. So the Saints are my team that I think is, (laughs) they're going to be better than people think. Now, I know some people are picking them to win the division, maybe a lot. But here's the thing. I, I could see them getting off to a 5-2 and two type start mm-hmm. and people talking about the Saints. Yep. I don't know where it's going eventually, but with the talent they have, they won some sneaky hot games at the end of last year. You add Derek Carr to the mix. They've got talent. I could see them having a really nice year and being some darlings, okay, yep. of national media as the year progresses. The team that I think is not as good as people think The Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not as good. It's fool's gold. We went on a big run at the end of the year. Congratulations. You had to get that late fumble to beat a Tennessee Titans team that was starting a quarterback that had gotten there a week and a half ago. And... I, you know, I know Trevor Lawrence is the next whatever, Johnny, but he threw four picks in that playoff game. Yeah, they came back, but the that's the Chargers half. on the other side and their meltdown personality, so I'm not ready to crown them just yet. Let's go get them. What you said about the
4: Saints is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay.
0: What? That Bet they're overrated. Okay. What about Adla- now the Texans, the whole AFC South plays, the NFC South, the Texans are going to face Atlanta there for the first time in a while. First visit in eight years, obviously. First visit to that stadium. Atlanta could be a sneaky hot team. I think so. They're they're as talented as any team in the league. You know, boy, man, genius, Arthur Smith. You know, we talk about McVay being boy wonder. Arthur Smith is, okay, He's this genius. He's been a head coach that's, one
4: year. That's been in that Tennessee Titans Nobody's organization. calling him a genius. No, no, the
0: Titans people love him. They love the world him. Of
4: loving him as an assistant coach is one thing. The yeah. key, they're going to run the ball like they ran the ball with Tennessee with Derrick Henry. They're loaded at running back. And uh, that takes pressure off Desmond Ritter, who also is a good runner. I think they could win that division over the Saints, or the Saints could win it with an 8-9 record.
1: Falcons – I was talking with James Palmer last week. That was one of the teams he's really interested in talking about. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier, and their skill players are as good as it gets. Who's the quarterback? Exactly. And that would, that would be my team. I think the team that a lot of people are thinking in the running for the number one pick, if they get anything from the quarterback, I think the Bucks can be a tough out. I still think defensively they're going to be really good. Um, it's just a matter of whether Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask keep it together long enough to let them win 17 to 13. I don't
4: think you know? Todd Ball's a good coach at all. He had one winning season with the Jets and got fired, and he didn't do anything Was that Fitzy? Year. Was yeah, that was Fitzy? fitzy.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Fitzy. Got the some Fitz magic going. The thing
4: about Des, Desmond Ritter, they could have, at number nine, gotten a quarterback. They could have traded up yeah. to get a quarterback. They were in position to do it, they like but it. he saw enough of Ritter, a third-round pick last year, to believe in him. And he's 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 a pretty good judge of playoff of players. Doesn't mean no, he'll be a good head coach. But um, you know, Jake Matthews, Bruce Matthews' mm-hmm. son, has the longest consecutive game streak in the NFL going currently. And I asked Bruce, who never missed a game because of an injury in 19 years, Clay Matthews never missed. An injury Good in 19 genes. years isn't that amazing? Yeah.
1: Okay, That's, let me ask you a question. I'm just uh, you get me thinking about this, general. There were teams that were calling Arizona, or at least that was what was rumored, right? We don't know that Atlanta wasn't one of them, right? This for both of you two. Take CJ Stroud and put him on Atlanta. You got Pitts. You got London. You've already got you got a pass catching running back in Bijan. You got a stud running back in Tyler Algiers. You got the best guard in the league in Chris Lindstrom. Um, Matthews is good. McGarry was really good at tackle.
4: Who's the running back receiver? It's the great returner. What's his name?
1: Oh, um, two years uh, ago. Cordero, CP. Cor- yeah. Patterson. He he was, uh, Patterson. He was,
4: he's still there. They got a lot of playmakers. What he's if you had a, I
1: mean, the reason I bring that up is Ritter's not the, the passer that CJ is. I know CJ's a rookie. Like, I get that. But if you had a competent throwing quarterback. And had they been able to get C.J. Stroud and put him with Bijan, not they got C.J., they're going to get Bijan, but just go with it. What's Atlanta with C.J. versus what's Atlanta with Desmond Ritter?
0: But C.J., rookie versus Ritter, second year, watching Mariota flame out and then take it over at the end of the year. You know, that is good experience for Ritter right there. And while we're on the subject, let's talk about the Texans' offense here and what they need to do to step up in that – I heard Seth and Sean talking about it, and you and I were talking about it last night on Texans All-Access, Johnny. We have not seen that explosive practice by the offense yet. We've seen moments here and there, and like, ooh, look at that play, look at that play. But we haven't seen it strung together, General, the way that we're waiting for. And I don't know when we're going to see it. Maybe we see it today. But your thoughts on the development of this Houston Texans offense? New
4: system. It's a complicated system. If Bobby Sloan's doing the same thing Kyle Shanahan did. And uh – you know, they, the only guy they got on that offense, I talked to you guys about it yesterday, and I'm going to write a column about him today because Tank Dell is going to be available for interviews. And um, I think it's today. Better be. And uh, <laughs> he's the only guy they have capable of going the distance when he touches the ball. And I was watching him yesterday on punt returns. I went down behind him, and he catches punt returns here in a crock of his arm on his shoulder didn't want to and then you watch like desmond king catches it right in the middle yeah and so they they're working on him because he's so explosive it wouldn't surprise me if desmond king doesn't go ahead and return punch until they're absolutely sure tank's not going to fumble a ball but uh you know nico collins he can catch the ball down the field i after watching him be hurt for two years in a row you can't you can't count on him being healthy for every game. He's going to have to prove it. But he made big plays downfield last mm-hmm. year when we watched him at camp. Crowd was cheering and ooing and awing at what he at what he did. And, um, you know, Noah Brown was one of the big surprises of the offseason program. Nick Casario might not have been surprised because he signed him. But he's coming off his best season of the Cowboys when he got a chance to play. Could he take the next step? You know, he's got everything on one. He's got great size. He can play inside, outside, works hard, hungry. You know, he's mm-hmm. got to be thinking about money because he was a special teams player there till he got a chance. But that's obviously going to be a need in the offseason to bring in to a go-to receiver unless somebody develops into one.
0: You know, it's funny because when you have the second and third leading receivers from the Cowboys roster last year on this team now with Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown, you have to wonder what's going to happen to them. You know, how are they going to overcome that? And their running game, let's see how it yeah. goes this year and the injuries. I don't want to talk about them, but I think it's going to be a, a developing story that they don't have all the firepower they, need, they think they, they have. They need the tight ends to get healthy here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, not, it's, a, it's a small room right now. All right, you save your answer to this one for a little bit later. All right. Mark. But I'm going to tell you, John McClain, one, one thing. This is a guarantee. It's the only guarantee for the entire season. It's this guarantee, and that is Kenyon Green becomes that guy, at guard. That's all you know. That's it. He plays 17 games, and he becomes that guy, at guard that you're expecting him to be this year. What do you think the offense, what do you think the results of the offense are if that one thing happens? You don't know anything else, but you know that one thing happens. What do you think about this offense in 2023? Well, you're
4: sure about three of the offensive line positions. You're not sure about center because they're going to be starting a rookie at some point. But if Kenyon played like the 15th overall pick that he was last year, they would they would be strong across the board. And at some point, Juice Scruggs, they didn't think a lot of him as a center. Now they're moving him around because you know game day you got to be able to play more than one position. I often wondered, and this went back to uh, Xavier Sufilo, who Bill O'Brien admitted later they moved him around too much in camp, still letting him on one. Position after he'd been forced to miss the off-season program, he now admits that. By the, later, did nah, he admitted it later? Okay. And uh, they had that archaic rule in the Pac-12 about. Oh yeah. Being that you had to, I don't even remember what it was, but he has he's healthy and he had to miss a bunch of the off-season program, and so oh, yeah, I always yeah, yeah, yeah. wonder. Instead of taking a rookie, you know, you're going to count at one position and having him play that position and no no other. You know, right now Will Anderson's on the second team. Juice Scruggs. C.J. Stroud's rotating, Anderson's rotating. We know those guys are going to start. We know Scruggs is going to start. And I was asked the other day who I thought wasn't going to make the team from last year's draft, and I can't say for sure one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, uh, I, I just don't know because you watch them all out there, and even like Garrett Wallow is a really good special teams player, but they got some young linebackers. And, uh, Ooh,
0: that's a thick position right there. But if there. Kenyon
4: Green plays the way they hope, boy, it'll help the running game for sure.
0: All right, is it the craziest thing in the world for me to say? You just said Scruggs is going to start. Now, we'll see. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world to say Scotty Quessenberry really might be embracing this system. I haven't talked to Chris Strasser about this or D'Amico or anybody, but he's out there with the ones right now. And, look, Chris Myers didn't become Chris Myers right away. I'm not saying Quessenberry is going to become Chris Myers. But he might fit this system a whole lot better than the previous system, and maybe his game is starting to rise.
4: He might, and then he might not make the team. <laughs> Both of those I are
0: possibilities, this. but you know, everything's at, on the board at center. You no, know,
4: Patterson, everything. Patterson, Scruggs are going to make the team. They're not going to put them on the practice squad because people jump all over them.
0: What and do then, I like to say, Johnny? What do I say? You gotta have a third injuries offensive tackle. I often say this injuries sometimes solve the problem. Not that you want injuries, but sometimes and injuries get hurt. create problems. Well, it's very true. So very, I true
4: think true. offensive line is going to be a tough cut.
0: There's a little McLean reloaded from the morning portion of our coverage, Texans training camp live. Coming up, a player to be named later. No, we'll name him now. Graylin Arnold plays special teams and safety. You want to hear from him, trust me. It's coming up here on Texans Radio. All right, we have one final segment here on Texans Radio tonight. Man, it's been a busy day with the morning show and this evening show and another morning show tomorrow, 8 a.m. from in-studio. The General's going to join us. Jonathan Grenard's going to join us. A bunch of other stuff as well. Nick Casario on Thursday. You don't want to miss a thing as we continue to navigate our way through camp, including a visit with Graylin Arnold, special teamer, Baylor Bear, and he switched
3: numbers.
0: Why number 25? Des were it last year. Was that just assigned to you, or did you pick it specially?
3: Um, So it was one of those things. I had 35. Uh, who is it? Somebody had asked for 35. Jake Hansen. Jake Hansen had wanted 35, and then we had another corner, Kendall Sheffield, who had had 20. Right. 25. And he didn't want 25, and JK wanted 35, and I'm not really—I don't really—it didn't really matter to me about who had the jersey numbers or whatever the deal was. So I was like, I'll take 25. Uh, at the end of the day, and I'm still gonna be grilling on them. We
0: were just doing the highlight film from last year. You made a couple of big special teams plays, more than a couple, but they showed up in the half-hour highlight reel. How special is that to you to make an impact in that phase of the game?
3: Um, it's a—it's special to me to make an impact. Any position, anywhere, no matter what. um, I just love to play football. I love to play fast, like my hair on fire, and um, I like to get excited and have fun with my teammates.
0: Sometimes you guys who play a lot of special teams don't get the breaks that some of the other guys get. We were talking to Alex Bachman about that. How does that go for you out here?
3: Um, It's one of those things where it's kind of more so like attitude and effort. You know, at the end of the day, um, you got to get the job done. You know, um, your defense and offensive guys sometimes, hey, they might go out there and they might have a long drive, you know, and then it's just our turn to, you know, to withstand our part of what we got to do for the team to win. What is it like facing this offense every day? Because after a
0: while, you guys must know at least a bit what's coming.
3: Um, so, our offense right now, they're, they, they're pretty good. We got a lot of good receivers. Um, CJ, all of the quarterbacks, man, they throwing it pretty well. It's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's iron sharpening iron. You know, mm-hmm. we all getting better each and every day, and uh, we're just competing at, at the best level. All right, Koontz, Texas,
0: that's where you're from. You went to Baylor, but tell me about your hometown first.
3: Uh, it's one of those FFA schools I and mean, agriculture towns where, we, you know, a lot of cowboys. and it's, it's real country. We got about 2,000 people, population, small, small, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, not too many people get to reach this level. Well, I don't even know anybody that has <laughs> reached this level of, you know, of, Professional sports, but you know it's it's one of those things where it's a small city, so like everybody's behind me. you know I, I can definitely feel the love and the support from my city, and really the all surrounding areas. So that's you know it's big to have that type of background behind you and that type of community behind you.
0: All right, there's our visit with Grayland Arnold, really good guy, easy guy to root for. So many of those on this team, and man, cut down day is going to be so heartbreaking for so many, but I can't wait for the season. So there's that as well. We want to thank you all for listening tonight looking forward to catching up tomorrow morning at 8 with Texans training camp live have a great night go Texans